Hey there, folks. Uh, episode 11, and we have the full threesome in here with us tonight again. Uh, you got Glenn here. Dave in the house as well. I am back. Dave's in the house because he's at his house. That is true. He continues to host our broadcast, and that other voice was uh, was Tommy. Also known as the uh, brains behind the organization. He's the brains. I'm the guy who clicks record. I'm the money. Dave is here. <laughs> we don't know what Dave is. Yeah, so at 3 underscore 11 Glenn for me. Tommy 2 underscore 0 on Twitter for me. And point break underscore Dave. Okay. So where do we want to... Uh, I think we're going to start this week with uh, going back to our younger days and time spent at the at the racetrack. I'm fine with that. So that being... In my case, uh, time spent at various quarter-mile dirt tracks around the, the Metroplex and outlying areas. And for you two, drag strips aplenty. In many of the same outlying areas around the Metroplex. I, I would say that the three of us, one thing that we all three have in common is we know exactly where Kennedale is on a map. Yes. Several, several Saturday nights in our history, we had no idea who each other was. But we were literally across the street from each other. Yes, and during our misspent youth, we were yeah. literally across the street from each other in the burgeoning motorsports hub known as Kennedale, Texas. Home of racetracks and adult bookstores. And junkyards. It's pretty, And they have a chicken express there as well. So, But you guys have kind of a leg up on me because I never got behind the wheel of a vehicle. I was just there to watch and watch my dad race. You guys were actual participants. That's right. We we grew up at the racetrack and participated in, in racing, drag racing, that is, all throughout our misspent teen years and on into college. And man, I wouldn't trade any of that for anything in the world. That was some of the greatest times of my life, I have to say. What about you, Dave? I would I would agree. I mean, they were, uh, it, was, it was tons of fun. Um, and it was, I mean, the majority of, uh, of my youth and probably Tommy's as well is just... I mean, you know, racing every Saturday, a lot of Friday nights, a lot of uh, Sundays, working on the cars in between, and, and it's, you know, get up at 8 a.m. on Saturday and get home 3 or 4 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, so it wasn't exactly like the, uh, you know, baseball game in the morning and then uh, call it quits. It was a all day, all weekend all affair. Day affair. Yeah, which reminds me of a pretty funny story. I think you'll appreciate this one as we... Pause Copa America for an injury timeout, apparently. Yeah, it looks like some guy just broke his arm. We've lost 311 Glenn completely. Yeah, no, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm in distracted mode, but I, I'm still here. Man, that guy, yeah. he's he's crazy. not uh, The country of Argentina, this guy is not doing well. Number 22, Argent, Argentinian Emmett Smith. I it think look, he just broke his arm. It looks like Sprint finally. Oh, and he just kicked the security guard in the back. That's assault. Looks like Sprint finally got their man. Yep. All right, so... Where were you at? Well, uh, to to reset briefly, a lot of a lot of crazy adventures in our in our lifetime. But me with uh, one of the one of the moments that sticks out and actually involves a uh, a little place we like to call Grambling State University. Oh okay. yes. Okay. Are you familiar with Grambling State University? I, I am familiar. The Bayou Classic is that when they play Southern every year? Go ahead. Myself and my Good friend, Point Break Dave, well, when we were in our uh, much younger years, 
just barely had our driver's licenses, 16, 17 years old, uh, decided it would be a good idea to take a little adventure up to the uh, metropolis of uh, Alabama. And, uh, fine state. Fine state of Alabama. So we, uh, in typical racer fashion, we had uh, a dually pickup truck and a, a gooseneck trailer with two drag racing cars in the back of it. Mm-hmm. And we were by ourselves. And uh, the place we were going to race, they only accepted cash at the gate. So Point Break Dave, being the uh, imposing figure that he is, was holding all of our money in his pocket. Always a real wise decision to have it all in one place. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and even more wise with Point Break Dave. Yeah. So we uh, we took off uh, for Alabama, and we're doing just fine. And we got into Louisiana and realized that we uh, were almost out of gas. And we passed a couple of truck stops. Uh, we needed to get diesel fuel uh, and just kept missing the exit. Couldn't make it happen. And... Uh, Next thing you know, uh, we see an exit that says Grambling State University, next exit. And I thought, well, hey, surely Grambling State University probably has a great gas station yeah. that sells diesel. Why, Why wouldn't not? they? Okay. So we uh, we exited the highway, and uh, pretty quickly after we exited the highway, we realized we were in one of the worst, roughest parts of town I've ever seen uh, in all my days. Okay. Uh, and we started down, uh, the, the main road and realized pretty quickly on that, uh, there was no gas station and Grambling State University was having some type of parade that day and they had all the roads closed off. What kind of parade was it? We're not sure what kind of parade it was, but what we do know is the road we were on, suddenly there was a barricade and we had to turn a, you know, 40 foot trailer and dually around <laughs> oh, on a two lane yes. road. So it was very Austin Powers. Very Austin Powers. Well, you know, we had probably had six or seven hours of driving behind us by this point. So the truck's running hot. Everything's up to speed. And how much, uh, if I may ask, how much, how much cussing is going on? Oh, lots. Okay. Lots. But it gets worse. And uh, so we have this enormous trailer that I'm pretty sure you probably needed some kind of special license to even drive something that length. Oh, there's no question we were over the limit. So Tommy's over there trying to make a 56-point turn on this two-point or uh, two-lane road to turn the thing around, which causes what he's about to get. To. Yeah. So so basically, I'm going from drive to reverse, from drive to reverse, from drive to reverse, and jackknife the trailer. You know, so we can hear we can hear the the you know trailer hitting the the bed of the truck. And at some point, the car, the truck we're driving stops moving. And we don't know why at the time, but it, it won't go forward or backwards. And we're, we're stuck blocking this road. And we should also interject that the truck we were driving was Tommy's dad's truck. And the trailer was a friend's that we had borrowed. So neither of the two items we're destroying yeah. have anything to do with either of us. And one of the cars inside the trailer didn't belong to us either. It was a friend's car. And the road you were on was not part of the parade. It was just... No. In okay. fact, the road we were on, we were not being pressured from behind to get out of the way because nobody else in town was Thank on God this road. God for that. <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But we, we basically, uh, I jump out of the truck, I look under, and there's just a huge puddle of transmission fluid on the ground. No way that's ever a good thing. No, not at all. So immediately think the worst that we've, you know, broken something in the transmission. It, it hadn't occurred to me yet what, what had happened. Well, we, you know, we make a couple of phone calls. After talking it through with some people, we determined what we'd actually done is just overheated the transmission in this truck. So 
when the transmission overheats, it, the, the transmission fluid actually boils over like a radiator and was coming out of an overflow hole in this dually. But so much transmission fluid had boiled out of the transmission that the transmission no longer worked. So our assessment to Which the whole our assessment to the whole situation was we're effed. If Point Break Dave could find anywhere to buy transmission fluid, and we're talking like four or five quarts, okay, walk back to the truck. We put the transmission fluid in the truck. We feel like we could probably get rolling again. But as we've already mentioned, there's no gas stations in all our yeah. traveling around Grambling State that we've seen. So at this point, we we have a tough decision to make. We're completely stranded on the road. We've got a trailer we don't own, a truck we don't own, and one race car we don't own in the trailer. And we've got me and we've got Point Break Dave. So we decide one of us, very Scooby-Doo-like, one of us has to stay here. We have to split up. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. So Point Break Dave is going to go walk in a direction that seems most likely to have a convenience store, a gas station, a Walmart, something where he can get transmission fluid, and I'm going to guard the trailer and the truck. Okay. And by guard, he means he's going to offer, offer me up in the roughest neighborhood we've ever been in, and he's going to sit in the dually with the doors locked. Yeah, and I can't emphasize enough. I mean, the, the, I'm trying to equate it to something around here, but it would it would pretty much be like, uh, you know, being stuck somewhere in South Dallas uh, pretty quick. No comment? No comment. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Point Break Dave at this point in the story, but I just want to point out one important fact. We didn't take any of the large amount of money out of Point Point Break Dave's pocket before we sent him on the adventure to the store. So he's got literally thousands of dollars in cash stuffed in his jeans pants pocket, and he's off in search of transmission fluid. Yeah, so I take the the arduous uh, walk down. Arduous. Um, Yes, arduous. That's the first big word of the day. And, uh, you know, it was... was I don't know what to compare it to, because I'm basically just walking along this, this road with no idea if... I'm either going to hit a gas station at some point or I'm just going to walk for, you know, a few miles and then turn around empty-handed. But after a while I do I do see a gas station up ahead and along the way to said gas station when I get closer there's also another uh pretty sketchy, pretty uh scraggly-looking dude also lock- walking across the or along the side of the road. So uh He's kind of, you know, walking uh, walking a few steps in front of me. So I uh, just kind of hang back, get to the gas station, go inside. They uh, buy every uh, every quart of transmission fluid they own. If so I, I, picture, remember, I remember correctly, he, it wasn't even, not that it matters, but it wasn't even a matched set. He had one quart of Pennzoil, yeah. one quart of, he bought everything they had in no, the store. No, it was the variety pack. It <laughs> was the, the variety pack. The Honey Stingers variety pack. <laughs> so I, I, I picture they don't have like a, a cart or a basket. You've just basically got two armfuls of transmission fluid. I have, I have uh, five or six quarts just loose. Uh, that have probably been sitting in that store for years. Oh, without a doubt. In my arms, and then, you know, a nice uh, four-figure amount of money in cash in my pocket. So when you okay, so when you went to pay, did you? I mean, all the money's in your pocket. So were you smart enough, maybe just to grab a little bit of it, or did you pull out the entire roll? I just pulled it out, let it fall all <laughs> on the ground. No, the I man broke. He said, "Oh man, I hate it when that happens." I honestly don't remember the uh, how I handled. I mean, I know I paid cash for it because uh, that's what we had. I don't remember if I was as stealthy. I feel like we were young enough that we didn't even have a credit card to our name. I no. Think, I think our whole existence took place in cash at this point of our lives. Absolutely. 
So I don't remember if I was very discreet about opening it up, but I do know when I walked out with the transmission fluid, that same sketchy dude had just been hanging out outside the uh, gas station. And as I mentioned, when I was walking in, I was trailing him. And now I come out and start walking back the way I came. And now he's he's going the same direction. He's, he's following he's me. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's kind of doing that muttering, yelling, just kind of incoherent stuff. So uh, Point Break Dave decides it may be time to uh, go ahead. Go to, let's go ahead and go to full sprint. <laughs> let's go ahead and pick up the pace. So we're near Grambling State University. Yeah. Uh, you probably, uh, just to be honest and accurate, you probably appear to be out of your element. Yes. And you're running down the sidewalk carrying somewhere between six to eight quarts of unmatching transmission fluid that was the uh the start of my uh my running bets was <laughs> i can also run with loose quarts of transmission fluid and large amounts of cash oh, wow <laughs> yeah run from plano to frisco very and impressive so you, so you may you ran into no other trouble on the way back no um i think that guy uh realized that uh he realized the elite athlete he was yeah with. <laughs> he was, was only no used to running 40s not not Three quarters of a mile. He was he was basically the uh, he was in Kimbo Slice mode. He didn't want to fight uh, elite athletes. He wanted to find other homeless. <laughs> only, only, only bums. Okay, so how'd this end up? We get well, back to the truck and yeah. and everything works out we fine. We got back to the truck. We put the transmission fluid in. Continued to make the Austin Powers turn for about another twenty minutes. Got out of there and uh, did uh, decided that after that that we were we were not. Uh, turning putting the truck in reverse or stopping uh, or turning the engine off until we got to alabama and we we only uh visited truck stops with easy on offs the rest of the way let me also interject if you think the first uh whatever i claim 56 point turn was tense and a lot of uh a lot of swearing going on try putting in the new transmission fluid and then still having to complete that turn, knowing that if for some reason it overheats again, we have to make the <laughs> to walk make the back, same, the death the walk back over. to... Yeah, and all the wow. while, just constantly checking the road just to make sure that that guy that's, that started to give half-hearted chase wasn't uh, coming our way with uh, with some friends. Wow. But no, after that, we uh, we made it to Alabama. We had a, had a good trip, didn't win the race, but... It, and really, nobody knows that story or didn't hear that story for a long, long time. Well, why would you volunteer that? The guy that owns the that? still never knows yeah, the story. Yeah, I wouldn't volunteer that information. Or the guy that, that owned the car we had, uh, you know. Right. Our dad, who owned the truck, he, he was in, involved because he was phone troubleshooting with us while we were yeah. trying to make it work. And I can imagine he was being very patient with you. <laughs> Just for the sake of his truck, he was probably thought, you two are a couple of idiots. <laughs> I will say, and this is just kind of a little side note, on that race, it was, you know, obviously we were driving to Alabama. It was a big uh, kind of specialty, big money race. And the guy that promoted it was very similar to, like, just doing bits, like minor league ballparks. You know, he'll just try anything. And uh, I think it was day two of the race. We're just kind of hanging out our our trailer. And a little uh, kind of crop dusty looking prop plane flies over and he just starts dropping money wow. out yeah it wow. was awesome 
Those are the kind. I mean, I mean, we could probably do a whole a whole show just on bits we've seen at the racetrack. I mean, well, gosh, patriotic bits. Yeah, I mean, we can we can go there. I mean, I think the first thing I wanted to start out with was, I mean, even the the name of the podcast is inspired by a story we had at the dirt track. I feel like all our great stories, in some way or another, revolve back to that dirt track. So that goes back to probably like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. You think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At yeah. least I mean that was that was absolutely. So, so and those those that have been with us going back to the original episode or two that you you'll know that the podcast at one point was at least introduced as just tell me where to turn. However, character limits have kind of we became bigger fans of brevity. Yeah. So we became tell me where to turn, but the actual phrase that was uttered was just tell me where to turn. Now the inspiration from that came from essentially about a 12-pack of Coors Original. Which now, before you tell this story, do we feel like the statute of limitations has passed enough? That, uh, that, yeah, we're, uh, we're good. 3 underscore 11 Glenn's not going to get a visit from the ATF? No, I think, we're, I think we're okay. So we were out at Cowtown Speedway, RIP. Stay hard. Yeah, Kennedale, Texas. And I think... Was this when we went during the summer? This was not the night it was freezing, was it? This is during the summer. Boy, I don't know. I feel like the, that the, freezing, the cold cold, freezing cold might have been a play okay. in this one. So it may have been the night that... And that's a, another great story. <laughs> Part of the story is the fact that it was 30 degrees outside and you're sitting in the open, up in a grandstand in the cold wind, and Dave here brings basically a long sleeve tee with like a wife beater underneath it, and that's all he has to wear. Point Break Dave does not have time for normal conventions of society. Me- meanwhile, I'm sitting a couple seats down from him with, you know, th- three layers of clothes on, a hoodie, a hat, and I'm I'm so hot. I have my have my extra sweatshirt that I'm just sitting on because otherwise I'm basically sweating. So it's like the straight out of the scene, Dumb and Dumber, where he had the extra gloves. I look over and Dave is just curled up in a in a ball, literally like minutes from freezing to death. And I'm like, Hey, would you like my sweatshirt? And probably saved his life. But um, so during the course of the events, yes, I you know I, I brought pretty much a case of cores with me and. You guys weren't really partaking, so I was like, I don't really want to carry this out of here. So well, why would you? You don't want to take it back home with you. And what what keeps you warmer than uh, than that over the course of you know four hours of entertainment? So we head out of there. It's midnight or so, and uh, I had driven there, and I've got the keys to drive back. Why you ever let me get behind the wheel <laughs> is one of the dumbest decisions you guys have ever made. So we so we we pull out of Cowtown, the parking lot. Can right. I say this, Glenn? at least that night, was handling the alcohol very well. Better like, than other times. Yes. At that same track. Yeah. I didn't This I didn't make any bold claims or threaten to climb the fence. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. It was a pretty good night. We were, we were in chill mode. So, pull out of there, and I know the instant I get on the road, I mean, the world is just kind of shaking. And I'm like, <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible idea. No, I my thought was, you know, we just need to we need to stop somewhere. If I can get an hour, I can get some food in me. I'm fine. I could drive. I could drive you to Grambling State University. So perhaps a nice Waffle House. Uh, perhaps a nice Waffle House. Great idea. Okay, where's it at? Then I get like this laundry list of directions, which really weren't that complicated. And in I just your state they were yes. And I'm just trying to drive straight, thinking I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail. Um, 
So after I get this, you know, map quest 13 step I'm plan just for directions. Danny drops of direction drops. Yeah. It's on 183, just south. Behind of- a Poncho's <laughs> Mexican buffet. Uh, there's my response was, I just had enough, and I don't need your directions and your instructions. Just tell me where to turn. <laughs> so from there, like, anytime I'm driving or have even a sip of alcohol around these guys... There's the default joke. Just tell me where it's to gonna turn. It's going to be just tell me where to turn. It was great that that was uttered because everyone was fine with your ability to operate the car. We were just worried that the fact that you wouldn't understand complete sentences telling you where to turn. That was the part we were unsure of. Yeah, and we were, uh, we were okay. We got there, and that was – I think that was the night we were sitting there – eating waiting for our food or whatever and that guy he had a jeff gordon shirt on and he walked over and for some reason he made some joke about us being on drugs which made no sense because we were literally sitting there not saying anything and as he's making this joke he's walking (laughs) to the bathroom to go to the door except for it's a pull not a push and he goes to push it as he's making this joke and then basically just walks face first into the into the door which we just lay out as he you know just kind of failed smiles for a little bit and but yeah, if you're goes gonna, away if you're gonna do a drive-by uh trolling of another table don't walk into a door <laughs> yeah it's that's not a good look very very sound advice so and i'll tell one more story about uh it's probably my favorite story about my dad when he was when he was racing all oh, those many yeah, many don't years this. your dad was a your dad was a player in the racing game yeah he he uh he was a, he was a big factor in the local racing he had some success out at kennedale he uh dominated out i don't want to say dominated but he did well out at grayson county speedway which is kind of like kind of like double a compared to some of these other racetracks and then there used to be a track in Carrollton that's not there anymore because civilization actually came through when you say he did well at grayson county do you mean like in the races uh yes okay yes and that's where he met my mama oh no. wow no that's not where he met my mom um that was at cowtown speed yeah he did well at the races um he did have one story there uh my default about that racetrack is that it's just besieged by copperhead snakes which wow. it kind of is around it because there's an area that's like never been cleared out or whatever. But my dad is racing there and he is driving out of turn two and he spins out and whatever, he goes off the track. So, and he's stuck, you know, off the track, off of turn two. He can't start, get his car started, he can't get off of there. So they're going to bring a, a truck out. And Does they... the little guy in the cloud with the fishing pole <laughs> pick him up? <laughs> no. No. You bring a truck out. Standard procedure is, you know, bring a truck out, backs up, hook up a chain to it, and drag it out of there. Get it back to your trailer, you know, wherever you or pull it in the infield, you know, right, whatever. Just get the chain. So yeah, get the truck with the chain. So the truck pulls up. My dad's uh you know, just sitting there, just waiting for it. Guy gets out of the truck, takes the chain and kinda winds it up a couple times and then tosses it out by his race car. And my dad kinda gets out the side of the car and is like, What are you doing? He's like and the guy yells at him, I'm not walking out there and hooking that up. There are copperheads everywhere out there. <laughs> so my dad, I mean, what are you going to do? He's not just going to sit there. Well, the guy there. was at least nice enough to throw him the chain. Yeah. So he has to get out. He gets out of his car. The guy literally won't go out there. Literally. And um, 
but this hooks, guy, oh. hooks up the chain himself and pulls the car out of there. You know, he gets out of there. But yeah, the guy would not step out there because there are copperheads everywhere. <laughs> but this guy's part of the track crew. Oh yeah. So like, what if your dad's injured or the car's on fire? He's uh, just standing back there, like, nope. In, insurance is not something this track is worried about. Okay. I've been there in recent years where. I got two cars ran into each other. One car got flipped over. It's it's on. It's upside down. We're not bringing out any type of emergency crew or anything like this. Like literally, the guy's in the car, still buckled in, and it's basically like a converted Buick of some type. They put in a roll cage. You know, it's a stock car or whatever. Um, uh, you know, six guys come out of come out of the pits. Literally, just get on one side of it and lift the car up and like push it back over. So that's fine for like if he had a neck injury. Yeah, or with something. the guy in it. What's no funny deal. is it flips him back over and you see him in there and he's just whiplashing violently from side to side. He was unconscious from the Meanwhile, blood rushing yeah. to his head. Meanwhile, it, the the race is red flagged. So the car that wrecked him is like down in turn one. He's turned over in turn four. This is a guy who gets out of this car who probably smokes three packs a day. Never exercises or anything. He's been just been hanging upside down for the last five minutes. He's going after this guy that wrecked him. Now, <laughs> the best part of dirt track racing. Yeah. So he gets out of his car and starts sprinting down the front straightaway towards this other car, which meanwhile, I don't know exactly what the distance is. There's no way that guy would have made it. But as soon as he starts sprinting down the front straightaway, here comes a cop on an ATV, <laughs> like over the hill, straight at him. And he turns and sees this guy, and immediately he stops in his tracks and just puts his hands up like they're going to shoot him or something. <laughs> Sounds like he's acted too much out of experience. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, back to my original story with my dad. He was racing at Kennedale. And this was probably around like 87. I think I was like nine years old or something. And um, racing at Kennedale, and that night, this was when monster trucks were just starting to be big time. Bigfoot was a huge, huge thing. Oh yes. So, for basically, what about Grave Digger? Uh, I don't think it was around yet. Okay. So for like intermission entertainment, they had a monster truck there at the track called the Awesome Kong. The Awesome Kong. The Awesome Kong. Not to Kong. be confused no, with King Kong. No, 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 no. Okay. No, not to be confused okay. with King Kong. Okay. It was the Awesome Kong. So anyway, the awesome they Kong. they do their show. They you know run the monster truck over some cars and smash some stuff or whatever. We thought it was great. Well, apparently these two guys that like operated this truck were, you know, like in their mid twenties and they're real cocky and they were treating everybody just like they were. Most people out there are dumb white trash, but these guys were a little over the top. Right, but I mean, they were basically acting like your prototypical monster truck owner. Obviously, and you know, my dad and one of his buddies didn't take real kindly to it. I don't think they planned on fighting them or anything, but there was a little trash talking going on. You know, after the races as right. we're getting ready to leave. Well, I mean, they do have a monster truck. Yeah. So these guys are getting their monster truck and all their stuff packed up, and we're getting ready to head out of there. And, uh, yeah, my, my dad and these two guys are kind of going back and forth and I don't, I was standing there, but I don't think that they were really like yelling at each other, cussing or anything like that. It was more just, it was, it was trash talk, a little bit of banter and they're going back and forth. And then finally there's kind of a pause and I'll never forget this. The re- the rest, rest of my life. There's no way this is the greatest story. I will tell my kids and my grandchildren, this story that my dad just looks at them and says, well, you know what? You may have the awesome Kong, but I've got the awesome dong. <laughs> it just turns around and walks away. 
And that was <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the great moments right you just, there. You just hope that one day your kids will be as proud of you as you were of your dad that night. Oh man, that's a lot to live up to because there are not many opportunities that you have to deliver a line <laughs> like that. And those those guys like they had they didn't say anything. Like, what do you what do you say to that? You can't say. No, but I mean, do you think your dad was like Jim Nance and had that line scripted out as soon as he saw the Awesome Kong roll through the gate? He, he or do you have. think he spontaneously thought of uh, Awesome Dong? Well, I, hopefully it was spontaneous. If I were to ever find like a piece of scratch paper <laughs> that had like Awesome Long like marked through and Awesome Strong marked through and then Awesome Dong circled, you know, and it was dated like days before that. Some note to himself that says, if anybody ever yeah. comes to the dirt track with a car named Awesome Kong. This is what you say. So, but no, nothing say. to discount that story. That's funny. That is funny. Your your story of the guy throwing your dad the chain reminded me of of something funny that happened one time. I I had a uh, actually it wasn't mine, but I was driving a 1971 Chevelle, and I mean the car was a bit of a POS, and we uh, we were trying to sell this car, and we were actually trying to sell it for the guy who who owned the car, and and uh, one of the unique features of this car was that it didn't have motor mounts. So the engine was bolted to the frame of the car, and then there was a chain attached with a bolt to the side of the motor, and then the other side of the chain was attached to the frame of the car. Seems pretty stable. So the reason is, is that was to keep the motor from twisting yeah. right to left. You yeah. know, so when you when you gas the motor, it torques over a little bit. The chain kept it in place. Well, I had for sale written really big on the back of this car in shoe polish, and the car didn't have a hood, and it was missing some paint. And it was it was a real piece of work. Well. Uh, was at was out at a, at a racetrack uh, in the burgeoning outpost of Abilene of all places. Uh, was not did not spend a lot of time racing there, so wasn't as well known. And uh, sure enough, a guy comes over and's real interested in buying the car. In fact, he's talking about giving me cash that night to take the car. It, wasn't, you, it wasn't Dave. <laughs> to give you an idea of how bad this car, seventy one Chevelle, was, forty five hundred dollars in cash took the whole thing, running engine ready to go hey so anyways unbeknownst to me while i was conversing with this individual from abilene who probably looked a lot like the guy that threw your dad the chain <laughs> probably so uh you know haggling over the price uh a, a, fr a friend from back in the the dfw area had walked up behind me um and as i'm haggling over the price the guy said look how much, how much will you take for the car if you just take the chain off and keep that yourself? <laughs> and you don't do, uh, well, this transaction was in Ab Abilene, but you've been known to also do financial transactions with your race cars at the Tyler Zoo. That's correct. correct? That's correct. I've, uh, I've, sold, very, I've sold some stuff in really strange places. It's a very commonplace for racing-related commerce. That, that much beats that. No, I don't think so. That and that guy was... That. He was putting that in a boat, wasn't he? He was. He was. Yeah. And and uh, hopefully, yeah. He's dead now. <laughs> no question. Hopefully, he's he's scared some fish with that with that motor. Have you ever heard of a place in Texas called Paris, Texas? I certainly have. There's certainly a dirt have. dirt track there. Oh, there is. Well, yeah. there's there's also a drag strip there. Yeah. They were uh they were doing a thing in Paris, Texas, and gosh, this was probably well well over 10 years ago. But the the kind of the common the common winner's purse for the classic cars we raced in was between four and five hundred dollars. That's what they paid on a Saturday night. Well, Paris, Texas, they got this great idea and they said we're going to pay twelve hundred dollars cash 
to the winner of the class that night. So that was more than double what we were ever used to racing for. That's so, huge. So, so that was enough to get us to drive from this DFW area up to Paris, Texas on a Friday night. And it was a strange, it was a strange setup. They said the races are going to start at nine o'clock on Friday night. And we're going to run all night until the race is over and the $1,200 is claimed. And then that, and then that's it. Most of the races were run during the day. So this, this was a whole new experience. We drove, we drove, to, we, we left work or I guess, you know, probably at that time we weren't really working much, probably woke up from our nap and, and drove to <laughs> yeah. Paris, Texas. And we started in the race and the, the locals of Paris, Texas are pretty abrasive and over the top, and they don't they don't like our act pretty soon after we get there. It was a very uh, it was a core group that had all been racing together yeah. for and six, you, and you're sixty new. years. You're the out of towner, and, and they were not going to have their twelve hundred dollars go to somebody from no, Dallas. No, no, that's I, I know with the dirt track, um, that kind of stuff just happens. I know that. That happened to either my dad or somebody that he commonly raced with traveling to somewhere. I think this was in Louisiana. And they went there, and I don't know if it was a 1,200, but let's say it was like half that to win. Right. But they were from out of town, never raced there before, just heard about it, said, hey, let's get everything, hook it up, and head out there. And they won. But the locals didn't like that very much, so they went to claim their money. That $600 wasn't there. But here's your envelope of like what is left over. Like here's your one twenty five, and like it's one of those things. You know, there's nobody really to talk to it, unless there's you're willing a, to fight like twelve on one. Yeah, there's, there's really not much you can there, do at that. There's point. not like a board that meets every week on these issues to to mediate or arbitrate these things. You're pretty much just sol. No, we'd heard we'd heard stories from other people that had been to Paris about them not treating outsiders well, people following other people out of the track. Of course. We're, we're young, we're kids, we don't care, we're going. Also, and it wasn't just the racers, because they wanted, they wanted people to come in for this race so they could pay the purse, obviously, but you definitely got the feeling that the people that ran the track were very much wanting one of the locals that supports their track year-round to win the big, the big prize. Yeah, and another... And <laughs> Another thing that they don't like is anybody offering them any suggestions that might indicate a higher level of intelligence than they have. And boy, it was it was pretty easy to come up with a bunch of great suggestions that they hadn't thought of. Well, one one of the uh, one of the ideas uh, that I offered up uh, late in the race. So we'll kind of fast forward this story a little bit ahead, but we went up there with three other guys from Dallas. Didn't. The people we went with are a little bit more outspoken than we were, so we were already kind of in a situation where we weren't weren't necessarily confident in our safety because of some of the antics of the people we traveled with. But I was the last one remaining in our group, so if you're not familiar with a drag race, you start with all the cars, you race two at a time, the winner comes back, the loser goes home, so you're cutting the field in half all the way through. So say there's you know, 80 cars that start the race, The after one round of racing there's 40, 20, 10, 5, three and good, two. good math yeah i'm uh i've I, i've done a little bit of math in my day okay so this here's the situation we end up with i win the race when there's five people left in the race there's going to be three people coming back for the next round of the race i realize my front tire is completely flat when i get back to our trailer after the race not good because that track is a pos and right there's all kinds of debris oh down yeah in the and all the trailers area. are parked out in the grass you've got 
stickers, nails, whatever. So I've got a nail through my front tire. The way all the drag racing cars are set up, the tires aren't in- interchangeable like on a dirt track. Like I'm committed to the tire I have. So I, there's not right. another tire I can borrow or put on this car. I'm basically screwed. So my friend that I'm with gets the great idea. He said, well, hey, we can get a piece of chalk and we can draw a line on the outside of the tire pointing to where the hole is on the tire. Then I'll put a whole bunch of air in the tire. You'll drive up to where they line the cars up to race and we'll pull you up until the line's pointing down so that the hole's over the ground. Okay. And that'll hold the air in the tire and then you can make the race and you can, you know, hopefully, you know, win the the two required races to get the $1,200. Right. And that's as far as we'd thought. When you actually go down the track and you're trying to slow down a car going 130 with no air by this point, we right. hadn't we hadn't thought that far. Yeah, right. Like our our thought process stopped with we can keep the tire inflated enough to get to the line without one of the track officials stopping it. Right. So we're also having to be very covert about this because we know that the Paris leadership is already against us being there. So we don't want to give them any indication that we're coming up there with a flat tire because they well, may just kick us out of the race. Any yeah, any reason they could find disqualify you right so now i'm gonna have to paint a verbal picture for you here but they have they have six lines drawn on the ground and it creates six lanes that you pull your car up into okay so what they do when there's three cars left is they do a random drawing to see who gets the free buy run into the finals two guys race one guy gets the buy run so what they've devised at Paris is a spinning wheel, like a Wheel of Fortune spinning wheel with the numbers one through six on it. This is the only track I've ever seen do this. That only does this. It's like so a topic wheel. There's one, there's one very specific rule in drag racing, which is if you've had a buy run one time, you can't have it again. Yes. So there's three people coming back to the line. Well, one of the guys has already had the buy run because he got it at five. So there's basically a one in two chance that I'm not going to have to race anybody this round and I get automatically put into the finals. Okay. So we pull up to the line. I pull into lane one. The next car pulls into lane two and the next car pulls into lane three. One guy, the guy in lane three is not eligible to get the buy. So wouldn't the logical thing do be to like flip a coin between the two guys are left? Right. Nope. This big old fat overalls wearing guy spins the spinner. So remember... The spinner comes up one, I get it. It comes up two, the other guy gets it. I've got a flat tire, so I'm really wanting to speed this along because the longer we yeah. wait, the more air leaks down the tire. He spins the wheel. Five. Nobody in five. Spins oh, the wheel. My. Six. Nobody in six. He does this eight times, and we still haven't got a one or a two. To, wi- to where I volunteer, and I promise I wouldn't be in a smart I said, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't me and this guy flip a coin to see who gets a buy run? That's not how we do things out here, son. Oh, I can imagine. We spin the we spin the spinner to see who gets well, the buy run. Well, it sounds like you've got all the answers, don't you, boy, <laughs> from your big city with I, your teeth and your education. I remember this vividly because I remember when he said, the, that's not how we do it. We spin the wheel. I'm like, well, all right. What if, and pointed to uh, Tommy, I was like, what if Tommy has – all the the three odd numbers and the other guy has the three even numbers and just got the blank stare and i don't know if it was the logic <laughs> no, or the odd and even you can settle it in yeah. one spin but that that math was way over their head no the odd and even numbers they're all numbers what do you mean <laughs> well long story short is i end up winning the luck of the draw and they said well you don't even have to run down the track and i said great I'll just sit here and wait for the guy, the the winner of the other race, to come back, and I'll run him for the twelve hundred bucks. I'll just wait, wait for all the air in my tire to run out. So my uh, my friend Ron Ronnie, who was there, was in charge of the air can, and when nobody was looking, he kept putting air in the tire. We uh-huh. had the we had it down on the, the track. 
So at this point, I'm starting to get nervous because the air's still leaking out of the tire, and I've got to actually drive the car. Right. And it's fast, and, and it's dark, and it's a slick track that we haven't been on. And if, so, it, if it, the tire blows, that's a bad thing. Yes. So this is the plan that Ronnie and I devised. I said, okay, I'm, I'm game for this plan. It's 1200 bucks. It's a lot of money. We came out here to win it. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in the car. I'm going to put on my helmet. I'm going to put on my seatbelts. I'm going to go to the, the line. I'm going to do the burnout, get my tires smoky. I'm going to pull right up to the line where I'm about to stage the car and race. And I want you to be standing there. I'm going to open my door, and I want you to tell me if the tire still has air in it. And if you if it if it's leaked out, I'm just going to pull off the track and take second place yeah, and forfeit. Yeah, Because I'm not going down. Uh, down I'm not going the, down the, in the, uh, yeah. crashing the car. Right. Not going down the track. So he agrees. We wait. The guy comes back. We burn out. We pull up to the line. I pull right up to the line. I open the door. Ronnie comes over, and he goes, it looks great. He goes, he goes it's got a ton of air. You're good to go. I said, great. I pull up the line, the light turns green, we take off, I'm holding a fender on the guy all the way down the track, I go across the finish line, the scoreboard on my side comes up, says I won the 1200 bucks. I pull right back, and the plan was I'm going to pull right back and drive the car right up on the trailer so I don't even have to stop it. Yeah. Well, when I go to drive up the trailer, the car just drags into the trailer because the front tire is flat, completely okay. flat. So anyways, I... I get back there, Ronnie and my uh, my friend, uh, other friend, and then Point Break Dave are there. They've got the $1,200. And I said, man, that was really good luck that the tires stayed up for that race. And Ronnie goes, oh, it was completely flat. <laughs> I just knew you had that guy. I didn't want to, I didn't want to let him get the 1200 bucks. <laughs> wow. Meanwhile, he probably feels dumb if that thing blows and it sends you into like a flipping like eight or nine times like something straight out of talladega nights he had confidence he had confidence in my wow. ability so uh you know on top of that what kind of uh great achievements do you guys have in in racing history you got you got trophies up on the wall somewhere i assume i think point break dave once got cheated out of a coin flip by aj foyt the fourth well that sob anybody else famous you used to race against I, I want Dave to tell this coin flip story. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that was a, uh, this was, I was probably 11, and they have the wonderful thing called junior dragsters, which are basically half-scale dragsters with a, essentially like five horsepower uh, Briggs and Stratton motors, and then they got, originally it was supposed to be very low-key, but of course everyone uh, found ways to make them go faster and faster. Anyways, they had the big uh, national of championship of all junior drag racing in Denver, and every uh, track there's probably I don't know, you know, uh, well over a hundred different tracks. They all got to pick their top ten racers and to go out to, to go, go out to, to this event. Okay, yeah, go to okay. Denver. I mean, by far the biggest biggest race um, ever in junior dragsters. Well, I I don't remember how many rounds the race was, but you know, multiple days. I get down to the final uh, final three, and it was me, uh, AJ Foyt the fourth, and this clown named Kyle Kyle Rizzoli, and uh, same kind of deal. It was you know three cars. Somebody's gonna get the buy, and uh, the Kyle Rizzoli had already had his buy earlier in the in the race. So, they knew better than to use the spinning wheel. Yeah. So they had the simple, they had a quarter simple coin toss, but not well executed because uh, AJ Foyt the fourth's 
I guess he was already in his car, so his dad or whoever was running things uh, picked uh, picked tails. They flip the coin, it's heads, and then quickly as it says, no, no, I said heads. Oh. And they gave it to him. <laughs> wow. What, so was he, was he a rather cocky individual? Um, you know, that was the only race I think we ever competed oh, okay. with him. But, yeah. I mean, he, he wore he wore a full one-piece die-hard yeah. sponsored bodysuit. He's, he's got the name. And he's got the name. He wore the, uh, like, Formula One IndyCar helmet with the flat. Back yeah. instead of the rounded, mm-hmm. and of course, no one else had those because everyone else bought normal helmets. Basically, driving a glorified go kart. So you, uh, you guys didn't race against anybody else who's currently famous or successful, possibly female. Okay. May have, maybe have <laughs> fictionalized maybe. you guys and characters in a in a may, Disney may, movie. Maybe maybe. Uh, what was that Disney movie called? Right on track. Right, right on, on the track? right track. On the right, on track. the right track. Basically, the opposite of Point Break Dave. Point Break Dave's life yeah. at this point. Yeah, but they didn't use your actual names in that movie. No, but, but there were you, the, there were the characters. Other kids, the other characters that give this female <laughs> driver all kinds of problems are the, based on YouTube. There were characters portrayed in that movie that could have very well been based on. Uh, yes, on I've Tommy Lynch and Point Break Dave. Yeah, yes. I have not seen this film yet but i still need to track it down i think and i need to verify this but i, I saw think, it on like my guide yeah within I, the last year i think mm-hmm. you can still find it being run on the disney channel I'm sh- yeah I'm sure it's out there on youtube would probably be the, the easiest thing but wow so you guys don't like erica enders no i mean for me it's a it's a genuine disdain for for point break dave i think it's pent-up sexual frustration i think so too I think there was always. Attra- I feel like there was always an attraction there that he just couldn't act upon. If it was between her and AJ Foyt the Fourth, <laughs> I'd have to think about it. You know, she was the recipient or victim or whatever you want to say of uh, the anus is on you on on Twitter <laughs> one time that caused quite a hubbub one afternoon. The response of "I don't think so." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. I don't think so. Or kind of like. Are you sh- are you sure? Like, is that oh. what you meant? <laughs> you want to stick with that? Yeah. And I did. That's all you want to see when you drop one of those is somebody to actually respond to it. But I, I mean, if you really do look at it on a on a on a graph, Eric Anders went on to become a professional drag racer, win multiple world championships in her class, and uh, you know, Point Break Dave's duck and rent a center. I'm gonna call that a draw. <laughs> in the in the grand scheme of things. I guarantee she would trade places with me right now. Man, Pro- I I think so. I think so. I don't think her life is. I mean, it's literally full throttle what she does. But other than that, it's yeah, it's probably not much to it. That sounds know. like the that sounds like the teaser copy for Right on Track Two or yeah. on the Right Track Two. Her <laughs> life like is the, full throttle. Like the twenty twenty five year reunion. We get back together. She's got her, you know. What does she write? Race pro stocks? Uh, yeah, an HRA pro stock. Yeah. yeah, you've got, you've got your Camaro with the tire that's just quickly losing air. You're like, let's hurry this up. I've got like 15 more seconds, or that's it. Uh, what else we got from racing days and track? What we've seen going to the dirt track, we've seen some peculiar things. I know that we've seen a wedding. Yeah. Yep. At the Devil's Bowl Speedway. Um, and I feel like, and I mean no offense again, 
But I feel like if your if your end game in life involves having your wedding ceremony performed at any type of racetrack, you might need to go back and rethink things a little bit. Yeah, it was, and they they had a, like the tux and the wedding dress and everything, oh, yeah. didn't they? I mean, do you think of the young, you know, the young girl that's eight or nine years uh, old that dreams you know, of getting married for magazines, yeah. just dreaming, thinking, you know, one day I'm gonna meet Prince Charming and. He's going to be standing in turn one. Yeah, you don't think that when she pictured that, it was, you know, the pictures of the, you know, I now pronounce you man and wife, blah, blah, blah. And there's like a picture of some modifieds in the in the background and some, some trailers and, and, and the guy the, who throws the chain. <laughs> and what somebody thinks would be like, you know, the ultimate uh, in, ingenious move, but everyone's done is, you know, just tie a nice couple of cans around the back of the race car and just take it for one lap you know just as a just as a way to pay tribute to the the happy couple the couple that we saw get married there i'm sure it was fitting because i'm sure they met at the dirt track probably so i'm sure their first time was underneath the bleachers at the dirt track Mm. and i'm sure the honeymoon involved going to a different dirt track (laughs) you don't want to be doing anything below the grandstands at a dirt track because it's basically just Three hours of just people just dropping nachos and trash and stuff onto the ground. That's not a place where you want to hang out. You know, growing up at the racetrack, how many stories you heard about relationships being consummated either in trailers oh. or in grandstands or porta potties. <laughs> well, that that's it was the stuff of legend. Yeah, that's what they always say. Like out at at TMS on race weekends, people are camping out there. That for that the whole like three days constantly. At any given time, any moment, there's a child being conceived out there, <laughs> out there somewhere. That that is that that is going on. I've only to, to go off on that topic. I've only camped out there one time, and it wasn't even in the infield where, where apparently it's really crazy. Rampant. It was out on the on the outskirts. I saw some weird stuff. I mean, just I don't know if I can even retell the story, but just just oddities. <laughs> Just people maybe sitting around, uh, got a fire going, they're playing cards, they're drinking or whatever, and they're just sitting around talking, and just, one of the females is just topless, just casually topless. <laughs> just casually. Yeah, and they're, not, and they're not even, you know, they're just having a regular conversation, you know, about the weather and, you know, whatever, and just... How Obama's running this country into the ground? Oh, obviously. I mean, that's that's a staple for, for the NASCAR crowd. If the 88's going to get it done on Sunday. And the 88... Never gets it done. Talk about living off of a name. Wow. Yeah. So going back to the snake-infested Grayson County Speedway yeah. for one second, is there not another tale of yours that involves somebody emerging from the snake-infested wearing a very unique T-shirt? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, do you remember what the T-shirt said? Because I I don't. Oh, okay. No, I don't. I was I was. I, I think I the punchline think, of the story. I think I, I remember. <laughs> um, but that is another part of the story. Um, Wasn't it somebody that went to Great Lakes to avoid buying their yes, ticket? Yes, that, that was the whole point. Walk through snake infested grass. Yeah, it was the whole point. Was this to guy avoid, avoid paying the so entry it's a, fee? It's a race night out there, and some guy that lives in that area does not want to pay the probably twelve bucks. To get in. Oh, I think that's generous. It's yeah. probably five. Yeah, it might be. And so apparently they're out there racing. It's in between a race, 
and you know a track official is in the infield or on the back side of the track or whatever and then they see somebody in the distance which around that track i mean there's there's nothing if you drive well, out there snakes. well there's snakes but i mean it's just a bunch of trees there's not a whole lot of residences out there and then you're driving down this like two lane road and really doesn't even have a stripe in the middle and all of a sudden there's just a turn left for grayson county speedway like if you don't know where you're going you're gonna you're gonna pass it but anyway so outside the track i mean at night it is just it is just completely dark out there beyond the track there's no sign of life within with an eye shot so anyway track officials see somebody in the distance walking toward the track probably thinks might be it's crazy person a serial killer or whatever it's just some guy that didn't want to pay the fee. Now he, as he gets where he's in the light where you can see him, um, he notices he has a T-shirt on, and I think you may have to edit because I'm going to say it, but I think what the T-shirt said was it had two statements on it, and there's math involved, and I think it said 51% badass, 49% motherfucker. <laughs> And he just walks on, you know, by the back side of the track. If somebody emerged out of snake-infested grass, yeah. I would expect nothing less than them for them to have that shirt on. Yeah, uh, was, and earn every bit of it. And that another—it's just that's just Grayson County Speedway. I mean, we've seen that other Copperhead stuff. The guy sprinting down the front straightaway. But I haven't been there in a handful of years. But um, went there for one show, and then there's some girl who's probably. I don't know, young, maybe still a teenager that has a newborn. When I mean newborn, like the kid is still kind of wet. Newborn. <laughs> still has the little blue dye in the umbilical cord. Yes. And oh, no. uh, at that's, the racetrack. That's good for their ears. Yeah, they're sitting on like row one and no earplugs, nothing like that. She's just holding the kid in one arm and cheering on whoever out on the track. So... It's a great it's a great place to go for social experiments. Oh my for sure. gosh. We need to go out there. Uh, it's it's about an hour hour and ten from here, but it's it's show worth it. show road trip? And it's could probably find some good guests to have on the podcast out there. I, I think we could. Or at least just more material. So they don't have real uh, this is probably surprise you. They don't really think out their parking very well. <laughs> it's not real Yeah. No civil engineering out there. There's a whole bunch of spaces, but they have to spin a wheel to see where you can park. <laughs> yeah. They have a wheel. It's got like 360 <laughs> spots on it. Well, that one's already taken. Spin it again. But yeah, last time I was there, I had to park like outside of between like turns one and two and kind of up on a hill, like right outside the track. Like close enough that if somebody flipped and went over the, the fence, they would have just landed car. on my truck. Awesome. But I got out there and... That's dumb that I parked there for one, but the actual more likely thing is what happened is every time somebody goes through the turn and, you know, slides through the turn and the tires are just knocking up dirt and mud clods over the, over the fence. So I get out there at my truck, the entire, the hood, the entire windshield is just big clods of mud <laughs> that I got to spend some time picking off my hand. Meanwhile, the whole time, you know, it's the grass is kind of mowed, but kind of not. Meanwhile, just wondering at any moment if a snake is going to bite me. Where a copperhead <laughs> is going to take all, you down. That's all I'm thinking about anytime I'm out there is that there are just snakes everywhere. So it's a, it's a fun place to go. <laughs> sounds a fun like place it. to go for sure. Sounds like it. Yeah. 
So what else we got? Race, racing or otherwise? Did everybody have a strong Father's Day? Mine was pretty good. Mine was alone. That's the best kind. Went to the casino. Pretty, <laughs> hey. pretty solid little day. And uh, we're not going to talk really any basketball in detail, but I believe you pocketed maybe a few hundred dollars off the Cavaliers. I did. I uh, Before the series started, I was kind of looking at the odds, and although deep down I thought Golden State would win, uh, the odds, they just didn't pay enough because everyone expected them to win. So Cleveland was uh, plus 200 to win the series, but plus 700 to win the series in exactly seven games. Right, right. So my theory was, hey, they're not going to go out there and sweep Golden State or anything like that. Take the big payday, and let's say they win in exactly seven. If it's if it was going to happen, it was probably going to have to happen in seven games. So And I uh, was feeling good about that bet, and then that was they were down 3-1, and I had written it off as a loss and yeah. gone on with my life, and then... Watched game six pretty intently and then had a huge sweat in game seven. It was great. So when you're watching that game, and it was a fantastic game. Oh, it was. And I was pulling for Golden State, but I don't know. By the end, I was kind of like, this is a great story either way. So, you know, whatever. So are you watching this on uh, pretty much on tilt, high high emotion, or are you just kind of even keel? No, I was uh, I was, uh, I was, was pretty high, high emotion. I was, like I said here because it was on father's day yeah i was here by myself and uh i mean there was a few uh you know mistakes by golden state curry's throwing it out of bounds for no reason and then uh lebron's big block there at crunch time that was going to be my question was what did you do when the infamous block i was i was standing on the couch you're sitting on right now jumping (laughs) and i i wasn't really pulling for them and I, i don't know if i root against lebron it's just fun if he's struggling or losing just to kind of troll the people that support him and treat him as if he is some sort of god and I the best like basketball player ever become curry people now though that's that's the so weird it's thing fun about to this troll them yeah with curry either way a terrible shooting day. either way we're good hey dallas got their one title so i'm i'm good for a while but the then at the end the block i was like wow that was a great play I don't even have a rooting interest, but the play at the end where LeBron almost dunked it and he got he knocked down and then he uh, he may have hurt his arm or wrist. He may have just been been really bad acting, yeah. writhing on the floor. Yeah. If he finishes that dunk, oh, that would have been right on the house. That's one of the top few plays. It'll be replayed. Just I mean, the block will anyway. But if we put that on top of it. Now, top, you top heard, five. Have you in heard history. the conspiracy theory that he wasn't hurt at all, but he was already laying the groundwork just in case he missed the free throws? Uh, I wouldn't put it past him. But I will say this: I think the the biggest uh, emotional outburst I had was into the game when, uh, you know, I mean, Cleveland's up a few, and Kyrie takes that three. Yeah. And like they hadn't run enough time off the clock. Oh, he yeah, he yeah, jacks yeah. up that three and I know he's going to miss it. Cause that's what he does the whole series. Yeah. And it goes in. I, I was guess like, we did get into the game. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, we're, let's just go play by play. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just their time to win because the three he hit was well defended. It was a highly contested shot. That shot probably goes in maybe 30% of the time. Yeah. And then they luck out when they get the ball back up three with like, 15 seconds left, 20 seconds, whatever it was. Oh, no, don't run clock. Just go ahead and drive in for a contested layup. And they're just fortunate enough fortunate enough to save the ball in. Yeah. 
and get it. Because if Golden State gets it there, they're in transition. I don't know if they're going to get a three. Pretty sure they're going to take one because that's all they were doing the last minute. I mean, Cleveland is basically just – could have just played Olay defense and said you can have a layup and they're just gonna you know cross over back and forth and jack up a three even though they're down four points but yeah they let it get away from them but um very good chance we see those same two teams a year from now playing I can each see other that. i'll just say this there's nothing in the world better than gambling on sports it makes everything more interesting it yeah. really does i agree as nick the greek once said the next best thing to gambling and winning is gambling and losing. There you go. That's wise. What about you? Father's Day for you? Pretty uneventful. Yeah. Checked out a new burger place in Plano. I was pretty excited about that. Man. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, let's do 30 minutes on that. Yeah. So what they do first is they take the meat. <laughs> <laughs> is this one of those places where you They let them, you pick what kind of cheese you want. I mean, my mind was blown. Did they have pepper jack? Oh, yeah. They had wow. artisan cheeses. I'm surprised you need, didn't need, like, a passport to get in. So, um, yeah, pretty une- uneventful for me as well. But watch a little golf. I did watch a little golf. I, I, I uh, had a little DraftKings action going. Yeah, because we're really highly educated on watching golf every week. A, a buddy of mine. Had gave- Sergio, though. Had Sergio. You did well. A buddy of mine gave me a lineup that that profited me fifty bucks. I had nothing to, you know, nothing Very to nice. do with that. Just uh, just keep the money. I lose it nice. on something else. I uh, got to take a gander at Paulina. Uh, the great and daughter, her, daughter Gretzky. Yeah, my goodness, my goodness. Ah, uh, that is something that we, you know, I don't think we want to take the time, but we could do quite a segment on the history of Dustin Johnson. My gosh, yeah, I'd like to read up on it a little bit, but my gosh, what a mess. Whether, whether it's what he's snorted in his nose or what he's fired out in some other player's wife, either way, I think he's had multiple affairs with fellow yeah, golf, no, uh, not fellow golfers. Well, wow, that would be quite a story, but they're that the golfers' a, wives. That would be a story. So, yeah, that, that's I did a little of that. I think you were alone. I think the family just kind of left me alone for a while and just said you know what we're gonna give this guy a couple hours just to, yeah, it's father's day best gift yeah. there is and kind of is otherwise we try to get things back even for all the bad things we did all week by going to a little little bible study yeah. and uh and i came back and watched game seven and that's it i say that's a pretty good little weekend yeah i think so so we want to uh you want to wrap this thing up? Yeah, I think it's a good time to wrap it up. It makes me makes me want to go back and uh kind of take that Uncle Rico moment, go back and live the glory days again. Yeah. Some real good times. What was this episode 11? Is that where we're at now? It was episode 11. Wow, the Danny White episode. Well, that's since, an 11. It's, since we're going with a the racing theme, we can call it the Denny Hamlin episode. But if we really were to have a Denny Hamlin episode, it would just be some of us crying and making excuses. For yeah, let's minutes. find another 11 other than Denny Hamlin. We have to have another one historically that can work out a little better. Surely, for there, us. yeah, surely we can find a historic 11 that works out a little better than that. Yeah, we'll find that for sure. So, all right, well, well, I think uh, at this point we're going to sign off from Point Break Dave's palatial estate. You guys can come back anytime. Oh, we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll certainly be back. Yeah.